Hi, my name is Jeff. I'm part of the teaching team here at Rainier View, and we are continuing in our series today on He Gets Us. And we're looking at the issue, the reality of anxiety in our life. Because anxiety, worry, you and I, we all face it. The question is, what do we do about it? And so I don't have to convince you that anxiety is at an all-time high in our culture and in our world, right? We are all well aware of it. From all the chaos in the world, from a global pandemic that's caused a global recession to a modern war in Europe that was unthinkable a couple years ago to thinking about even just, you know, what am I going to eat afterwards and what do I have the money to afford for the meal after this message? And then you add on top of that all our technology that keeps in our face constantly all the negativity uh, and the bad things happening, it's no wonder that anxiety is at an all-time high for us in, in our culture and in our world today, right? I don't even have to point to any studies to prove it to you. Like, there's a Costco-sized pallet of them available for you to find on the internet. We are all well aware of, it, of the state of anxiety and how it's heightened in our world today. And so what might surprise you about anxiety as we continue in our He Gets a Series today is that Jesus himself experienced and dealt with anxiety. But Jesus gives us a different way to approach it in our lives. Because here's the reality. Here's how many people, right, our spiritual practices intersect with our anxiety. Think about prayer, right? Maybe prayer just doesn't really happen a lot for you, or maybe it's kind of one of those like Hail Mary last ditch efforts to try and get rid of your anxiety, or like when it's just overwhelming, then you pray, right? Maybe for, uh, for you, you, you're trying to grow in the Christian life, but maybe you think that you don't need to be connected to a local church to be a Christian, and you're just trying to piece together the Christian life all on your own, but you don't have that place to gather with others, to use your gifts, to contribute, and so consequently, you're, you're left alone, really, to figure out how are you going to navigate anxiety in your life. Maybe you have questions and doubts around faith, and for, there's, there's some experiences in your past or some reasons that have uh, caused you to kind of keep faith at arm's length, that you don't want to really embrace it. But if you're being honest, the vacuum that's been left from not having faith to draw upon for how to find wisdom to live your life that's actually just left you maybe with just as much, if not more, anxiety. And so if you're struggling under the weight of anxiety today, let's look together at some of the wisdom that Jesus gives us and the wisdom from God's word on how we can approach anxiety differently than currently our world and our culture is coming at it. Uh, and so I cannot you know, promise you in one simple message, I will whisk away all your worry. That's, that's not how it works. That's not what we're talking about here. But I can help point you in a different direction, a different way to process and think about anxiety by applying Jesus' wisdom to whatever uh, situation of worry or anxiety that you face. Now, because here's the reality, anxiety is nothing new. It's been around a long time. In fact, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the word for anxiety or worry comes from a word that means to divide, right? And think about it, right? That's what worry does. It divides our attention. It divides our focus. It keeps us split. And that's really what anxiety and worry can do. Now, Jesus never sinned being both fully human and fully God. And you can catch week one of the He Gets a series to learn more about that. Um, but as I said earlier, Jesus did experience anxiety, but he shows us a better way to respond to it. 
Because anxiety can either be one of two things. It could be a normal human response, or it can lead us away from God and towards sin in our lives. So again, the reality is anxiety is something that you will deal with, okay? You're, you're going to experience it. And as we're going to see, Jesus told us, or tells us, to not be anxious, to not worry. And I think a lot of our common human responses to when we encounter that is, that sounds great, it's not really helpful. How do I not worry? It just feels like it's automatic and there's nothing we can do about it. But before you brush aside Jesus' teaching and wisdom around anxiety and worry as something that's unattainable for you or unrealistic, would you look and listen to these words about it? In Matthew 6, Matthew is one of the Gospels. The Gospels are accounts of the life and teachings of Jesus. In the New Testament, we have four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, But look with me in Matthew 6. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And then in one of the New Testament letters, the letter of Philippians, Paul, a founder of the early church and a key leader in it, he writes this uh, in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, anxiety is a much more complicated thing that we want to make it. Uh, for, for some of us, we just m- maybe buy this idea that we just paint those feelings as sinful, wrong, just don't focus on them, just move on. Just force yourself to do it. That's not helpful. Nor is it helpful to just, I think, claim, well, I'm just being a realist. I'm just going to be worried and anxious all of the time. And so what do we do with these kind of two extremes, these two responses? I think the beginning place to start is that realizing that these teachings from Jesus, these commands in the Bible are given because God knows we're going to have an ongoing struggle with our anxieties and our worries, okay? Anxiety is not like a one-and-done, you know, Duke or Kentucky freshman basketball player. You don't just deal with it once and then it's it's gone, it's transferred, it's away. No, it's an ongoing thing that we struggle with. But we can have, again, a different experience with how we approach our ongoing feelings and experiences with anxiety. Uh, Because here's the reality that that is true of anxiety. Anxiety is a normal, God-given response to pressure often a future pressure that we're, that we're thinking of. We see a perceived threat or something on the horizon. Think about it. If you get some ominous news from your doctor, hey, we got to come in and look at these test results, right? Your anxiety is naturally going to go up. If your child is struggling in some way and you're not certain how you're going to help them, right? Your anxiety level is going to rise. If you're looking at high school graduation or college graduation coming up, and you're not certain out of all of the options in front of you what you should do, and you're kind of paralyzed about what your next steps in life can be, that is going to raise your anxiety level quite a bit. You could just even be filling up your gas at the gas station, and you're looking at the prices of the gas pump, just up, 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 right? Boom! Anxiety is going to take place. Now, we all have a different mix of things going on within us. 
different, different personal factors, emotional, social, uh, personality things that determine the level of which we feel anxiety, the heightened or the lessened way that we navigate and deal with it. And again, having anxious feelings in and of themselves are not wrong or sinful. They're natural emotional responses God has given us to experience. But the emotions connected to anxiety and worry, when they take over, when they hop in the driver's seat and become the first things, that's when we get in trouble. That's when we need to hear and learn of Jesus' teaching. Because Jesus' teaching here in Matthew, what's interesting is that it's spoken in the context of our pursuit of material possessions. I encourage you to go back and look at that passage in Matthew 6 uh, again and, and see how it's tied to our pursuit of things and stuff. Because in our current culture, a consumer culture, right, we can focus so much on what we think we need to have, right? But so often the things that we think are needs are actually simply just wants. And when we get those things confused, that leads to a lot of unnecessary anxiety and worry. One recent article I was reading was pointing to the really incongruous way we as Americans uh, kind of are, are thinking about our financial situations. Most Americans far and away are saying, I am feeling the pinch of the, the effects of inflation right now. Like, I feel like my dollar isn't going as farther, and we, we've all experienced that, or almost all of us have experienced that. But this article is saying, we are eating out and shopping more than ever before. And so we're saying, I don't have enough money, and, and, it's, and it's not going as far, and yet we're spending more and more. Why? Because in a consumeristic culture, when we feel anxiety, you know how we tend to try and solve it? Spend that money, right? We're going to feel better buying something or having experience or chasing something that, that gets me out of the feelings that I'm having in the moment. And so it's interesting to me that that, that very same issue was alive and active and at work in the first century as it is today. Now, the motives in the first century for maybe pursuing uh, stuff and worrying about, you know, our life and where we'll be clothed and how we'll be fed, the motives might be different, different situation, but that idol is still the same even for us today. Because here's the reality. When we focus on our stuff or we focus on our status, we lose sight, we miss out on the love of God. We're not able to see God's love and care for us when our focus is on attaining more stuff for ourselves or attaining a higher degree of status. That's really at the heart of those verses we just read. The verses uh, from Philippians 4 and Matthew 6, they're not magic formulas to erase away your anxiety. That's not, that's not how it works. But they're called to shift our focus when we do worry, when we do face anxiety. And so if you catch nothing else from this message, I want you to hear this. When we experience anxiety, it's a chance for us to recast that anxiety as an opportunity to pursue God. When you and I experience anxiety, it's a chance to recast that as an opportunity to pursue God. Now, that can sound super trite, super glib. You're like, great, that, that sounds cute, but what does that mean? How does that work? But think about it. If you thought about every time you felt anxious, there was a response built in to you, God-given, to remind you, you are not enough. That's what anxiety can do. That there's no amount of planning, protection, savings, whatever, that you can do on your own to foolproof your life and make sure that no problems ever come your way and that you don't experience anxiety. It's just impossible, no matter how hard you work. And so instead, what if you viewed anxiety kind of like an internal push notification? 
And when the, the anxiety and the worry comes, that's a ping, that's a reminder from God, you are not enough. You need me. This is the role that anxiety can actually play in a positive way in your life. Because I just don't think that we are designed to face the pressures and the challenges of life apart from God's presence and understanding his peace is available to us. I love the way that Max Lucado, a Christian author, says it. He says it this way, no one can pray and worry at the same time. And so when that anxiety level begins to rise, it's a reminder, so should our pursuit of God. It's not about a magic formula to erase it, but it's a reminder of what we truly need. And Jesus shows us in his humanity that we can pause whatever we're doing to take time to pursue God in the midst of our anxiety and those feelings, to, to just get away and to be reminded to pray, even if it's briefly, even if it's for 15 seconds or 30 minutes, whatever it is, we can carve out that space and time when we feel the anxiety to respond uh, by drawing closer to God in prayer. Now, confession time. As a pastor, I am terrible at this. And that you're, I know you're saying, but you're a pastor. Shouldn't you be like A plus student at prayer? Look, like I'm a weird pastor. Hopefully not like a creepy weird way. Like that's not what, you know, what I'm going for here. But uh, what I mean is this, is that just how faith operates for me, I am not a person who naturally senses the spiritual realm. That sometimes as Christians, we describe it as sensing the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is much more difficult for me to have that sense and, and know that. I'm much more driven um, by really seeing the opportunities to do good, right? To, to share the good news of Jesus with others, to help others explore faith. And where we have opportunities to do that, we just go and we trust that God is going to show up and meet us there. That's kind of my default wiring. Now, some of this also is out of default experiences that I've seen so many Christians over the years really use prayer and Bible study as a replacement or even an excuse why they don't share their faith, why they're not committed personally to helping other people uh, explore faith and begin to follow Jesus on their own. And so some of that is born out of my own, my own personality, my own experiences. Uh, but here's the, here's the reality. Just because I might be less uh, sensitive to the spiritual realm and to the leading of God's uh, presence in my life than other people are, that means I don't have to wait around for a feeling to draw near to God in prayer. Like when I'm experiencing some level of anxiety, I don't need to wait for that push notification to come. Uh, I know if I'm feeling worried or anxious, I need to go and be drawn closer in prayer. Now, guys, I'm going to speak to kind of stereotypically male responses, right? Because sometimes, let's be honest, guys, we view worry and anxiety as kind of this like weaker, effeminate response to the pressures of life. Like we can even kind of characterize it in a very memeish way of like, oh me, oh my, the tribulations of my life, whatever shall I do? Oh. And we can kind of think about anxiety in, in this way. Again, I'm just being honest. But what I've discovered about anxiety and worry is that when I feel or express anger, Often what's going on is that there's worry or anxiety that I, that I have going on within me that I, that's unnamed. That there, there's just something happening and I haven't even put a name to it, but that's what's actually driving those responses that are more stereotypically male, this outward, you know, attacking a problem even, even if it's not just explicitly anger. 
oftentimes it's being driven by this un, uh, unnamed worry inside of me. And so when I'm more irritated, when I'm on edge, now what I, what I do is check in with myself and say, okay, what am I unaware of that's going on within me that's causing me really to be worried about something? That's a great question that you can ask yourself if it's anger is not the response for you. Okay, maybe your unnamed worry shows up in loading up that Amazon shopping cart with more stuff, right? Maybe that unnamed worry in your life shows up by just binging a whole show, uh, season of a show on the couch and binging a whole carton of ice cream, maybe at the same time, right? Rather than embracing the rhythms that followers of Jesus have been engaging with for millennia, like daily setting aside time to pursue God in prayer. Because ask yourself, when life isn't going well, when there's a situation that I'm perceiving as bad and, and not optimal, not ideal, what, what do I do? How do I respond to that, my anxiety in the moment? Because again, anxiety can lead us towards and into sin. Now, again, the feelings are not sin, but when I allow my focus to be on that and be drawn away from God, it can become that. Because when worry crowds out space for focus on God, functionally what we're saying is this. I don't believe God is present or capable or really there for me. And therefore, I have to shoulder the weight of this burden on myself. I've got it all on my own shoulders. And it might be hard for us to receive this, but that really is sin. Because functionally, we're saying, you know what, God? No, thank you. I've got this. I don't need you. Please and thank you. Leave me alone. Okay? And that's really the heart of sin. This pride that says, I don't need you. So what's the solution to this? The solution is not just to have the right beliefs. As important as that may be, we actually need to, and any of us can start, with the right practices, the right patterns in our life that will allow us to have a different response to our anxiety. Because Jesus models a pattern of spending time alone with his heavenly Father. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 5, we read this of Jesus. It says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Notice that word, often. Do you have a set place in time where you are pursuing God on your own, engaging with a daily rhythm of reading some of God's word, engaging with some of God's word, and spending time listening to and sharing your gratitude and your requests to God? Is that present? Because again, uh, we, it, when we experience anxiety, that's like that internal push notif notification. We need to recast our anxiety as an opportunity, a reminder to pursue God. Because left to yourself, anxiety is just going to win. <laughs> it is too powerful a force. And really, what I think is the secret sauce of the Christian faith, the thing that really makes the biggest difference when it comes to anxiety, uh, is, is making this simple choice. Your anxiety can either be met in community or in isolation. Those are your two options. The most, one of the most poignant moments of Jesus' humanity that's captured in the gospel accounts is found when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's going to uh, be executed on a Roman cross. And we see this in Matthew 26, this moment of his life of just extreme anxiety that Jesus experiences says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, 
may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In another one of the gospel accounts, Luke, that we looked at just a moment ago, I love this detail that Luke, by the way, who's a doctor, a physician, he includes this detail in this moment in the garden. In Luke 22, we read, and, he, and being in anguish, he, Jesus, prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, this could be metaphoric, just describing how Jesus is really sweating it here. Uh, but it also could be actually a, a somewhat rare but real medical condition called hematohydrosis. Maybe I got close to pronouncing it right. Who cares? But the rea- this, this rare condition is this condition during which the capillary blood vessels actually break down and they mix with the sweat glands. And so it, it has this effect as if the human body is sweating blood. And the condition results from a high degree of mental anguish or high extreme anxiety. And so we can't say for certain which of the two of these things is going on from Luke's inclusion of this detail in his gospel. But what we can say with certainty is that Jesus was facing some extreme anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, at times, right, we just saw Jesus withdrew to be alone with his father. But at other times, we need the power and the presence of community around us. In this time of deep anguish and pain, Jesus wanted the community of those closest to him around him. He wanted them to be there to support him. Now, unfortunately, they kept falling asleep. Uh, But that's actually a super encouraging thought that you and I are going to fall short. We're not going to show up the way we need to. And Jesus still uses his followers there in the garden. And he can still use us. Now, Again, sometimes people in Scripture, they needed to be alone with God or they needed to stand alone. But far and away, we see the the story of faith being told in the Bible as one of community, right? Consider this. Moses, one of the greatest figures in the Old Testament, had Aaron alongside him all, every step of the way of his journey. David had his mighty men. Jesus had the 12 disciples. When Jesus sends people out to do ministry in his name, he sends them out in pairs, If you read the book of Acts, uh, that chronicles the beginning of the church, we see there uh, that Paul never goes on his journeys alone. He always has a companion with him. Why? Because isolation is never a good place to be, life in general, but especially when we are facing anxiety, especially when we're facing chronic ongoing anxiety. God has given us the church to have a place where when family and friends might not show up the way we need them to, that we have a place to go to experience belonging and community. And so it's why it's so important to find a smaller group of people to belong with, to do life with in the church, whether that's virtual or whether that's at an in-person gathering. And so we need each other to be reminded that we can recast our anxiety as as a reminder to pursue God in our lives. Because in our society, there's an ever-growing need to fight the reality of a a growing isolation that more and more people are experiencing. Uh, And while it might be intimidating for you to think about joining a live church service, and maybe you have significant limitations to being able to show up, but if you can, there are some profound benefits that can come with that. Uh, And there's research to back this up. The Blue Zone Uh, Blue Zones research is a body of research that that started when a group of people said, hey, what if we studied the the groups of people on planet Earth where they had the highest concentration, the highest ratio of people living to the age 100 or older? 
and what can we learn from the way that they live their lives. And so prepare to have your minds blown about the greatest discussion starter that you can ever have around faith. So this is what they determined in their research. All but five of the 263 centenarians, that means people who lived 100 years of age or older, we interviewed belonged to some faith-based community. Denomination doesn't seem to matter. Research shows that attending faith-based services four times a month will add four to 14 years to your life expectancy. Let me tell you, coming to church on Sunday is way less painful than going to the gym, okay? Like, so just make one of those days, like one, one of your days, just come to church, uh, take a day off of the gym, right? No, like you still need to work out, right? You still need to take care of your body. But did you catch that? right? You can take all the supplements you want. You can do all the little life hack things and and tend to your health. And again, we should take good care of our bodies because God created them. But if we're excluding faith, man, we are robbing ourselves literally of life. That is amazing. And so what's happened in our culture, right? We're increasingly want to distance ourselves from church. And even if we're kind of like, oh yeah, I, I know I need to be more present in church. Well, we often will say things like, well, we're just really busy right now. Uh, when this season is over, or, well, I'm struggling because I don't want to force my kids to be there, or, well, you know, we just haven't found a church that really meets our needs, or even just, I think faith is an outdated thing, and I don't want any part in it. But here's the reality. That's just allowing anxiety to win out, because you're not making it to a hundred without having the benefits of being in the community that God intends for us to be part of that we call church. And so how do you get started? linger. Right now, even in the chat, before you wrap up this service, engage with somebody else. Engage in a little bit of conversation. Begin that even right now today. And that leads to what I want to close with today, that your anxiety, whatever, whatever stretch, whatever season with it, whatever moment, it either is going to end in struggle or surrender. Those are really the two options. You're either going to continue to struggle with it or you're going to surrender. You're going to give up one way or the other. What does giving up from uh, a faith lens look like? Well, one of the rhythms we talk about here at Rainier View is daily surrendering our lives. And Jesus, again, models that in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he goes to the cross. And we're just, if you're catching this live, a few weeks out from Easter Sunday, where Jesus prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And by placing my my life and the way I'm living my life in God's hands, saying, I want to live life the ways that you want me to, not the ways that I want to, we get to experience a far deeper, richer, more meaningful, and less anxious life. Not that anxiety goes away, but we have some patterns to lean into to have a different response. And I love the fact that Jesus is worthy to be pursued because of what he's endured for us, that he goes to a cross that he willingly says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He says, it is finished. And because of that, because Jesus took the weight of sin and, hum- and, and the pain of humanity upon himself, he understands the anxiety that you are facing and are going through. And so as we close, 
Just not, not only just knowing that Jesus en- endured and dealt with anxiety from self, but he offers us some patterns, some ways of living to respond to it differently. I want to pause right now and I'll end today by praying for any of you joining us that have some sort of anxiety, some sort of worry, that, that pit in your stomach, the weight in your chest, the, the, the clenching that's there. I want to pray for whatever that is for you right now. Let me pray. God, whatever anxiety we might be holding on to right now, whatever worry, whatever problem and situation we're facing that seems insurmountable, that we don't know how we're going to get through it, God, I pray that your peace, which we read earlier, that surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds, that we can learn to return to you again and again and again, to place those worries into your hands and see how you invite us to know your peace in the midst of the struggles that we face. Give us your peace today. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. We hope to have you join us back here next time as we continue in our series, He Gets Us.